Hey there, and welcome to Yes, a Stripper Podcast. On this podcast, we'll discuss how classifying each other as people and workers is dangerous to society and marginalized groups of people. We'll also talk about the climate in and outside of the strip clubs and all of the amazing things that strippers do. And of course, we'll talk about all of the things in between. I'm your queen, A.M. Davies, and this is Yes, a Stripper Podcast. So on this episode, I had the chance to talk to Jessica, a.k.a. Strippa Yoga. And um, this is another new friend that I've not had the chance to meet in person. Um, You know, this these past 12 months, I've been able to meet so many people online due to the pandemic, forcing us to you know, do this podcast from home online. We used to do this in the studio and I, and I used to have the opportunity to be with people in person, but what's been really great about, you know, some of the silver linings that I'm finding in the pandemic is this really allowed us to expand, um, who we had the opportunity to interview on this show. And I don't think we would have experienced the growth had not we been forced to, Uh, you know, sort of explore new ways of doing things. So I am very grateful for that. Also, something that took place during this interview, which I found really interesting was at times, Jessica was almost interviewing me um, and sort of asking back some of the same questions I was asking her and asking how I deal with things. And so I really appreciated sort of the back and forth that we had in this particular episode and something that's happened since filming this episode um, and it coming out and me filming this, you know, opening right now is um, on this in this interview, she asks me, um, you know, how do I have it all together? Or it looks like I have it all together or something. And I've addressed online um, on my Instagram account since then. Um, you know, I don't. <laughs> I don't always have it all together. It just kind of seems like that. And I'm not even trying to make it seem that way on purpose. Uh, you know, and so I've been trying to address this to my audience and saying that, um, you know, what things look like are different than what they are in reality. And it's my goal to be as authentic as possible because I don't want to have the appearance of all as well. And then other people sort of looking at that and thinking to themselves, well, why can't I get it together? And so, you know, I, I really like to share authentically the difficult things that I'm going through in life publicly Um, So that it doesn't, you know, I don't want to pretend like um, I have it all together because I don't necessarily. And so, you know, I just really wanted to share with you um, how much I appreciate the very difficult times that so many of us are going through and that I also am going through difficult times and that I also have moments where I cry all day. And so I just wanted to extend that to all of you and let you know that whatever you're feeling and whatever you're going through, um, you know, I, 
I, I feel you and I'm sending out good vibes into the universe as often as possible and that you are perfect exactly where you are and what you're going through. And, um, you know, in every moment of life, it is what it is. And, um, and to be kind to yourself in those moments and, and try not to compare yourself to others and, and, or nor me as well. So I, I just really wanted to offer that because in this interview, that conversation piece came up and it really gave me pause to think about uh, what that perception must be like for other people who are watching me online and listening to these podcasts. So, um, you know, my heart goes out to all of you. Um, my love is with all of you and I'm always uh, available for messages and comments uh, on anything that takes place here on this show or anything that that um, you may see me up to out in the world besides this show. So, And I also want to thank you for your continued comments and messages to me and your continued listening as well. Um, thank you so much for what you've given me for this show and for the, list, for the guests that come on here as well. Um, and yeah, I just really wanted to make sure you knew that. So, okay, I'm going to stop rambling and uh, let's just get to this really um, beautiful interview with Jessica. Enjoy. So today we're here with a lovely guest and internet friend of mine, Jessica, aka Shripa Yoga. Hello, queen. Hello, gorgeous human. <laughs> you look stunning today. You look like maybe that you're a little sun-kissed. Thank you. I definitely have been enjoying being outdoors while I've been here. That's really awesome. So you're in, is it okay to say, to share where you're at right now in the world? Okay. Absolutely. Um, I'm in Mexico right now. Um, I'm actually living with my father's family uh, in a small town in Jalisco, so small that we don't even have internet there. I literally had to come to the next town over. I'm in a mot I rented a little, the only motel in the next town over because it's still a small town to be able to have internet to do this with you today. So Wow. <laughs> wow. How long have you been in Mexico for? I've been here for three months now, so okay. I kind of just like disappeared from the world for a little bit to just kind of be here and reset for a little bit. Yeah, that's actually something that I noticed um, mm -hmm. and have in my notes to to chat with you about um, that you your presence on social media. And then I even wrote in my notes, like, does she have another account because your your presence on social media got really light and and our introduction to each other was through social media work. So yeah, yeah. so I'm guessing cuz you don't have internet it makes things harder. Um it was it was a little bit before, like I made that decision before I had come out here. Mm -hmm. um, the world was just kind of messy right now. And I, I feel like you and me are on very similar wavelengths with yeah. how we've kind of perceived this last year and a lot of the lessons that we've taken in. Yeah. Um, but I really feel that this last year asked us all to like look at ourselves objectively. And the truth is, is that, you know, when I took the time and stepped back and did that work, I wasn't like really happy with what I saw. Um, and a lot of people were very brave, yourself included. And you, you took that journey and you took it publicly and you allowed the critiques and you allowed everything. But um, for me, I really 
like fell into myself a little bit and just wanted the time to, to do that work uh, just outside of the public gaze a little bit. And then my public persona being so integrated with yoga, one of the things that really came up for me throughout the work that I was doing is the fact that, you know, I also was doing my 500 hour level teacher training and between um, the work I was doing as far as around racism and cultural appropriation combined with the work I was doing in my 500 hour level teacher training, which was a lot more spiritual um, and philosophical work, I really like made me question like what right I had to be teaching yoga um, in the way that I was, which was very Mm. Western postural yoga um, and very separated from the original teachings. And I just like, I've taken some time to just like sit with what it means to be a white Mexican yoga instructor um, at this time. So I'm still sitting with that right now, but it was scary to do that publicly. And I honor you for doing the work you've been doing so openly. I've been following you closely and definitely (laughs) taking in a lot of what you have to say. (laughs) Thank you. Um, it's absolutely terrifying if I'm being completely honest it's absolutely terrifying to be doing and saying what I'm doing publicly um, because I mostly because I don't want to hurt anybody in the process Um, not because I'm afraid of looking bad because obviously I'm not or else I wouldn't be doing it but like the minute like if someone writes something to me that's like this is damaging. I'm like, ah, mm-hmm. like, I just don't want to hurt anybody, you know? So yeah, it's terrifying, but thank you for acknowledging that. Um, I relate to that heavily. Uh, I have a deep love for, for human beings. Um, yeah. and I also just don't want to, I've already, I've had to recognize, I think part of this work is recognizing that we have hurt people already, you know, yeah. and then like coming to terms with that and dealing with that internalized guilt that we, you know, our white fragility mixed with it, um, yeah. dealing with that guilt and then and not wanting to further hurt people. And there's just like, well, we're learning. There's so much potential for it. And I just like, part of yeah. me is just like, just shut the fuck up, which has been good. Cause I've listened a lot more and I've learned a lot more. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I I also am getting ready to move um TBD, date TBD, um to do similarly what you're talking about, like internal reflection, being quiet for a little while. <sighs> I'm looking forward to that. Mexico must nice. be so beautiful though, right? Is it like it sounds quiet and peaceful? Mm-hmm. Um where I'm at. So I'm, my family's from Jalisco and which is where tequila comes from, Love but we're that. not like in, we're not in Guadalajara, which is like the big city. We're like off where all of the mezcal fields are. So, uh, all the agave fields are, and a lot of my family like work in the fields and, um, our community has like less than 500 people in it. Most of them are related to me. Like when I'm walking down the street, <laughs> that's your prima, that's your deal, you know? Yeah. Um, But I think that the most beautiful thing here is uh, the way they prioritize family. The kids out here all play in the street. Like they they do have, you know, like some tablets and stuff. And when I say there's no internet, there's like two megabyte internet. So there's Mm. internet, but it's just like you, it's almost non-existent. But the kids- Yep. The, the moms and dads hang out out front and like their kids play in the streets and, you know, the, the Nina's make food for the families and everybody comes and eats together. I've definitely like gotten to eat very well out here. That's amazing. Um, but, but definitely that like priority of like prioritizing community out here has been like really lovely to see. <sighs> yeah. I wish we could get more of that. 
here. Um, I I'm so happy that that's happening for you, that you're experiencing you. that. Yeah. Um, and, and are you practicing yoga while you're down there? Okay. Mm -hmm. So I finished my 500 hour level teacher training. Um, it's probably been about a month and a half now. Mm -hmm. And since then, I would say that my physical practice, uh, has definitely like depleted a lot. I'm much more into like yin yoga now, which is a lot more just taking a handful of poses and sitting in them for extended periods of time. Mm -hmm. okay. Um, and sitting with what comes up as well as just like connecting, um, to my body in just like a more intimate way than I was with a practice that was much more focused on like working out and like getting fit and getting flexible, you know? So. Yeah. Yeah. I noticed that, um, because one of the things I like to do is stalk my guests on the Instagram and see what they're up to lately, but your posts were far and few between, but still pretty telling. And, one of them that you wrote, you wrote, the last few years have been a lesson in looking at myself objectively and accepting that I am not exempt from having upheld and participating in systems that hurt the same people I claim to love. Um, and I, you know, I also am dealing with that right now. And I made a post the other day that that said, you know, I have contributed to the gentrification of stripping and pole dancing. I was mm, complicit. I have chills. Yeah. Mm. And so then I saw this post that you wrote and I was like, oh, I, I feel like, you know, we're having that same sort of vibe. And so would you say that, I mean, I feel like you kind of already touched on it, but I'd love it if we can go a little deeper in like um, how you see yourself in, in, in that and what this particular uh paragraph that I read that you wrote actually it's a long yeah. sentence yeah I'm actually I'm super glad that you brought up your post too because I was I wanted to talk to you about it I'm curious mm -hmm. I want to hear a little bit more about your thoughts on your role in the gentrification because you you um I think you have a few more years in this industry than me but you were much more public a lot quicker than me um and so I'm definitely interested in hearing that okay. um as far as like uh, my role in the gentrification of yoga, I, I, I won't say like I'm a leader in it. Like I'm not like a pivotal person that happened long before me, um, but I'm definitely a participant of it. Yeah. Uh, and I'm so conflicted with it because there's, there's two sides to everything. Right. And I, I've talked about, I talk about this with my teacher so much because I'm not teaching at all right now. I'm very, um, I just don't know if I want to right now. Uh, but I know that like the way I love yoga is comes from a very pure place. Um, and I know that the fact that I'm even considering this is something that a lot of people aren't doing. Uh, and then the people who aren't thinking about this kind of stuff, who are just like going out into the world and teaching and, you know, teaching the physical yoga, like I was doing, they're out here and they're a lot of people's introductions to yoga now. So there's like the two sides of the coin, like, you know, just stepping away completely and not allowing and not participating at all. When I do have this understanding of what, um, mm. what my role in this is, but then, uh, also, you know, is it, is it better to stay in this space and, and openly speak about it? I was so, I'm so nervous even to talk with you about it. Cause it's such a vulnerable thing. Yeah. Um, but then also recognizing that it, like, if I don't speak about this, there's other people who are just going to go out and just do it without talking about it whatsoever. And people are, people are still hungry for these teachings because they, they know that there's something there, you know? So yeah. I'm conflicted. <laughs> yeah. I totally hear that because I feel the same way. Like in one minute of the day, I'll be like, 
I need to not say anything and just shut up. And then in the, the next hour, I'm like, oh, I need to be the workhorse behind the people who need the mic. Right. Mm -hmm. So and then I'm and then I'm like, is, is that right, though? So I, I don't know. And I, I think a lot of that for me personally comes from I'm very foggy brained. Like I've there's things going on in my personal life that I don't talk about publicly that's really fogged my brain up. And, and, it's, and it's not if anyone's listening and curious, it's not about my physical state. It's not about my body which has actually been one of the easier things of 2020 to deal with, believe it or not. Um, but yeah, I, I, for me personally, I think I really need to like sit on that and like figure out what path I think is the healthiest. And because I'm foggy brain, I'm unsure, like I, I'm hesitant to choose a path for fear that it will also be an a path that's harmful like it has been mm -hmm. so um you know it's kind of like when they read your horoscope and and they say to you um don't sign anything for six weeks mm -hmm. you know <laughs> and literally that was my recent horoscope don't sign anything for six weeks and what what that means to me is don't make any concrete decisions right now just like i think it's going to come to me and i believe the same will happen for you and like mm -hmm. do what feels right uh, mm -hmm. in increments. I don't know. That's what I'm trying to do. Like, uh, it's, it's complicated. Well, I'm, I'm so grateful to hear you say this because, you know, you're one of the people that I'm really, I'm looking to for wisdom during this time, believe it or not, you know, because <laughs> I do, like I said, I feel like we're, we're having a similar experience dealing with all this. And I feel that we have similar, um, similar perspectives on a lot of all of this. So, and I was nervous to, to come to this talk right now and admit that I was struggling with this because you seem so much like you have it under control. <laughs> you know, what's going on, you're doing the work and figuring out. So it really may, it means a lot to me to hear you say that you're trying oh, to figure it out too. <laughs> thank you. Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And I, and I do try to make that I, I do try to have moments where I'm like, I'm learning, I'm nervous, but maybe I don't do that enough because I, I don't want to be a source of like intimidation or like not intimidation. Like you're scared to talk to me, but like, Oh, well she's got it all figured out because then I worry that that affects other people's mental health. Like not just me, I'm not saying that mm -hmm. I have that much power, but when you see social media, and everyone is doing well and everyone else has it figured out. And if you don't, then you feel like kind of left out. And so I really do try to make it be like, I, I'm scared. <laughs> I'm scared. And you I'm do. <laughs> you, you do. But it's just like, but even past that, there, yeah. there's such a strength that you have. And oh. I know that you know this about yourself, you know, that, that internal just like fire and like, it's a good heart, you know, a good heart that wants to do better really shows through in, yeah. in everything you do. Oh, so. Thank you. Yeah. That's important to me. So I'm glad that that's working because I really do give massive fucks like a mm -hmm. lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I do feel like my contribution to the gentrification of stripping and pole dancing was just not, first of all, when I first started stripping, just not being aware of my white privilege. Like it just didn't, it just wasn't a conversation. 
that I was having with anyone or hearing. And I remember some of the women of color in the club that I first worked at because it was a predominantly women of color club at the time. Um, and I remember them being irked by me oftentimes. And I was just like, I don't get it. I'm nice. Mm. I'm... I am not trying to fuck with anybody. Like, I'm just here doing my job. And what I was receiving was special treatment. And um, and I knew that I had the special treatment. And I didn't acknowledge that to the people who needed that to be acknowledged to. And mm-hmm. in that in that experience, specifically in the first club that I worked at at the Blue Zebra in North Hollywood, I look back on those six months and I'm like, wow, you just trampled all over people because, mm-hmm. yeah, I was just – I was a brand new stripper and young and white and I just thought, you know, I was the bee's knees and I – you know, so I, I have apologized profusely for that and I – will apologize again if any of Mm -hmm. my fellow past dancers are listening i genuinely Mm -hmm. apologize yeah yeah Uh, i i definitely can relate to that feeling a lot um and i'm lucky to have had people in my life who did point this out to me um sooner than maybe other people had had it pointed out to them Mm -hmm. and i would like was able to receive that but there's still i think about as recently as last year um my mentor was a, a woman of color and i think about just like the ignorance she had to deal with talking to me she actually talked to me about like my role in the gentrification of yoga and and certain little things and i just can't imagine like how how taxing it must have been so I'm very grateful for everybody who held space for me yeah and yoga it's so it's interesting that we're talking about this because I definitely have seen like I've heard conversations about yoga starting around five years ago about how like how white people just kind of like made yoga this Mm -hmm. whole thing without really appreciating the roots in which it came from, you know, like I live Mm -hmm. in Hollywood. And so like yoga is huge out here. Like Mm -hmm. every white person I know does yoga. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you think that that is that a, a conversation that is getting louder in the yoga community? It has to be. Um, It's getting louder with people I'm speaking with for sure. And, and I'm hoping that this is something that's happening everywhere. Um, yeah. and I definitely think the black lives matter movement, it has helped propel, um, the voices of all people of color, um, in general. And I definitely think that this, if it's not a conversation that's, that's happening more and more, um, we're not, we're doing something wrong. So yeah. one of my favorite, one of my favorite podcasts is, um, by two Southeast Asian women and it's called yoga is dead. Uh, and the first episode, they just come out swinging and I listened to it. It's, I had the same experience when you were talking about um, like political correctness and tone policing where like I didn't like what I was hearing, you know, so I had to listen to it again because it's just like, oh, God, you know, like, why don't I um, like this? Yeah, exactly. If you don't. Mm. And it's actually interesting because in yoga, that's something that we talk about is, um, you know, let's say you're in a physical position and, and you're really uncomfortable and you're hating it. And but physically, you're just sitting there. Your body's not in pain. Technically, you may be uncomfortable, but it, it's not in pain. You're not going to break or you're not going to die, but you're having all of these emotions come up like what is that really coming from and so when I hear something like you know you need to stop tone policing people by thinking that you're just like trying to keep the peace and it hits something inside me like sitting with that like what is this really coming from you know so yeah 
So are you still, are you pretty active in the sex work community as far as like having conversations with people and like mm -hmm. keeping up to date? I really um, disconnected a lot. I have like, so something, I don't know if you, you experience this being a, a veteran stripper, but I definitely have like my, my um, people surrounded, like who I keep close to me from my, my yeah. home club. Um, I definitely stay in contact with them. And these are people who I'm having these kinds of conversations with. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm not stripping right now. I haven't stripped since I've come to Mexico. I stripped uh, all September to make enough money to get to Mexico to be able to just be here. Um, but the, there are several people who I did have in that close circle to me who I had these conversations with who didn't receive it. Um, and I listened to a few of your podcasts yesterday and you were talking about, you know, losing friends. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I have definitely um, been dealing with over the last couple of months. I also started going to therapy and therapy. If you're not <laughs> going to therapy, please go to therapy. Everybody listening to this. Um, yeah. And, uh, and through, through therapy and through you know, anti-racist work and just like looking at yourself objectively, uh, thinking about like why you've kept certain people and you're like, we had an opportunity this, this year, what didn't just ask us to look at ourselves, but it was like an opportunity to like grow and become better. Um, and, and some people just like really made their decision to like dig their heels in. And sometimes that means like I separated from two friends that I had from over a decade, oh, each of them. And it's, it's like a breakup. Right. But, uh, yeah. with also with that is like, thinking about conversations I'd had with them where I let them get by saying, you know, some racist things. I'm not even going to say semi-racist because looking back, these are like racist things, but I, I am, or I was, and I'm working through it. Um, when you hear about like the liberal, the like white liberal lady, that was me. I'm like, I am friends with everybody. Like every, we just got to like learn to work together. Oh my God. Live, laugh, love. <laughs> oh my gosh. But I, I really was like, just like, we can all be friends if we just learn to hear other people's opinions. And in this year, I was like, no, your opinion is racist and shitty, you know? Um, and with that, like separating myself from a lot of people. And I'm nervous to go back into the clubs because, um, a lot, one of the clubs that I work at in particular in Alaska, it is very, you know, right wing dominated. And when I was dancing during COVID, a lot of the customers who we're getting right now are anti-maskers, you know, don't believe in COVID is real. It's a hoax type people. Oh, and it's man. just like, so a little separated from that community. What's your experiences with this right now? Um, with, with dancing, you mean, or? Well, with being, I know that you're still super involved in like the online community. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, it's rocky. It's definitely rocky. Um, I still have people that I've not spoken to. And the, the reason I'm not spoken to certain people is because, um, I'm not mentally prepared to have a meaningful difficult conversation without me potentially losing my shit you know because I so I don't know if you see it's like some of my videos like my call out videos and even like more uh yesterday and today I posted videos about strip down rise up or whatever and I'm like just dropping f-bombs left and right and I'm just like you know getting visibly upset you know <laughs> and so and that movie is um yes it's damaging to our community but that movie is not my very good friend that mm -hmm. you know and so I'm very hesitant to talk to people that I love about their problematic shit 
with the state of mind that I'm in. So mm -hmm. I'm waiting to have conversations mm -hmm. so that I can um, be compassionate, but also firm. But I don't yeah. want to be firm and shitty. Yeah. So um, I'm definitely like a lot of things are on pause and revisiting because and here's the thing, like my old friends, like they they think that they're doing the work and they they think that um, they've apologized. Mm -hmm. And so it's really hard to get somebody to see that no, not only are are you not doing the work, um, not only are you wrong in your racist mentality, but the work you think you're doing isn't working. Because if it was, mm -hmm. we wouldn't be having several conversations about the same thing. Mm -hmm. And so I'm mm -hmm. just like, I think... It's I'm recognizing just how much time this is taking for everyone. For not everyone, we're all on a spectrum of how much time and how much learning it's going to take before something clicks, right? Yeah. And so I'm trying to be like, okay, well, you are trying, but it's still not there. So I'm I need to be compassionate, but I'm fucking angry, and I want you to hurry the fuck up because. Mm -hmm. Black people are getting killed almost every fucking week in this country. Yeah. And when the fuck mm -hmm. are you going to get so mad about it? Why are there just a handful of us so mad about it? And see, this is why I'm this is why I can't talk to them because I'm already like, mm -hmm. rah, you know, mm -hmm. so yeah, so it's why I'm waiting because every time I see in the news, another black person has been murdered by the hands of our government. Um. I I want to just scream at the world, mm -hmm. and and that's not helpful either. And so I need to check my own behavior so that I can show up properly for the people who need it the most. And so I'm just mm -hmm. figuring it all out. See, I love these conversations, um, but I I love them not in the public eye. I think about you know earlier last or last year I did um, a fundraiser for Giselle Marie's. Um, Black Sex Workers Relief Fund. Yeah. And my mentor at the time was just like called me out on it. She was just like, but it was nice because she did it to me firmly and maybe even a little shitty, you know, but I needed that. But it wasn't like this, this public shaming. It was, hey, what are your real intentions here? Is this just to like, look like you're a good person? Like, have you really actually helped anybody? Like, what are your true intentions with what you're doing? And that, that, that conversation punched me in my gut, punched me and ripped me open and like made me look at my insides, you know, and I hated every moment of it. But now when I've, when I've had time to step back and really look at what happened, I'm so grateful. And sh she never had to do that for me. You know what I mean? Like she didn't need to do that for me. So I will say this for you, AM, the right people are gonna, are gonna hear you. And even if it's going to be like tough in that moment, like there are people who are going to hear you and it, it'll be like worth it. So yeah, and I think that there have been. And I think for me, the frustration has been like, I've known you for so long. How are you not getting this? I thought we were on the same page about everything. You know, like, that's, I I'm think. I'm quick. You're quick. Yeah. 
I'm like, I'm saying I'm quick to just like, and this is something I'm having to deal with is like, am I cutting people off so quickly because they, sh- they're, you know, they're aware of the things that I hate inside of me, the, the things that I'm liking about myself right now. Mm-hmm. I, I cut out my two best friends almost in the world, you know? Um, but there's these part of me, it was like, I, I don't want to have to be people's teacher anymore because a lot of my friendships, I looking back through therapy has helped me realize this. I have a fond response. I will worship the ground you were walk on, you know, to an unhealthy point. And I also often found myself being like the one to like spoon feed, like being a good person to people. And like, so I had to take a time to be like, do I want to play that role for people anymore? But also, am I not willing to have these conversations anymore because these people are showing me things in myself that I don't like mm-hmm. to see, you know? Mm-hmm. So I honor that you're, you're taking the time to, to sit with these feelings and not rushing into these conversations because I did, I was just like, bye, you know, and now mm-hmm. I'm, I'm having to sit with, you know, what, what were my intentions there too, you know, mm-hmm. an intention versus impact is a big mm-hmm. thing that, that I think we're all learning about. Yeah. And I mean, a truth be told, like I did this, I did. I'm, I'm really trying to think now, though. I'm like, wait, did I like, let's be truthful. Memory is so funny, isn't it? It's like, did that really happen? Um, <laughs> uh, but I think that maybe I did rush into those conversations. And then, um, and then that's probably why I'm sitting with what I'm sitting with now. And that's why I don't want to rush again. So, you know, there was one conversation in particular that I really waited to talk mm-hmm. about. Yeah. And since then, we haven't spoken. It's kind of sad. Mm-hmm. Um, But I'm like, I think what I've done in the past is like, we're running out of time. Like, mm-hmm. that's just the, the mentality I live in daily. There's, I'm running out of time. I need to do everything now, now, now. And so pr- this year for the first time, I've been like, nah, it's chill. It's chill. Mm-hmm. Just chill mm-hmm. out, man. Yeah. I relate to that. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I love to apply pressure to myself. How about mm-hmm. you? <laughs> uh, yes. And something <laughs> that I'm dealing with right now is I turned 29 last month. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, and I don't, and maybe other people can relate to this. It's weird because the hottest strippers I know are in their thirties. And I'm just going to say that. the hottest strippers I know are in their thirties. But for me, some, for some reason, like hitting 29 yesterday was my 11 year stripperversary. And like, for some reason, I just, I feel like I don't have a lot of time left to, to like make the impact in this community that I like wish that I would have started making a lot earlier, but it's nice to speak to, I love talking with other veterans. I, it's, I'm really like happy to just get to chat with you even outside of the podcast because it's so nice to get to hear your perspective on that and and recognize, yes, we, we, there is time, but then there's also that other side, like there is there time because people are dying. You know what I mean? So it is an interesting situation. Exactly. And that, that is, you're right. That is the caveat. Well, people are dying. So there isn't mm-hmm. any time. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, your age, um, mm-hmm. 29 veterans. So I'm 40. Mm-hmm. And oh my gosh. I'm a, you're so hot. Thank you. <laughs> if, if this teaches, if stripping teaches you anything, it's like, there's not an age cap on hotness. One of the hottest yes. strippers I ever knew was like 52 years old. And this bitch killed all of us young. I was like 21 years old when I was stripping with her and she destroyed every single one of us young strippers. So, yeah. you know, I have a similar mm-hmm. story. Uh, this Brazilian woman that I used to work with, she would, um, she would just smash us and she did better than anybody did and she was stunning Mm -hmm. and beautiful yeah and she was probably like 45 
close to 50 when I met her. Um, Mm -hmm. But I say all that to say, like, you know, 29 was 11 years ago for me. And Mm -hmm. there's, I think that there's still plenty of time for you. Yeah. Yeah. My knees hurt. My knees hurt, friend. (laughs) Well, you know, knee pads. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I used to talk shit about knee pads. I mean, I, when I was like 22, I'd be like, mm, knee pads, like uh, real strippers don't wear knee pads. And I'm like, actually, if you want to save your knees, it's probably a good idea. And part of why I started stripping, stripper yoga had two intentions originally. Um, one was to save our body. You know, I started it when I was 27 years old and I had already been in it for um nine years at that point. I started when I was 18 and it was the, the idea at, by the time I was 27, my body already, it hurts. I have pain in my body mm-hmm. that I can directly correlate to certain pull moves and certain ways I would throw my body down in certain ways. I would always move to one direction. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so, so putting it in these, especially younger performers heads that, you know, you don't have to sacrifice your body to make a bag. Like there's ways that right. you can move and move safely and take care of yourself and still get get paid. Um, then the other reason was just, I think that there's so much, and you, I feel like you, you can understand this. There's so much magic happens when we bring, um, when we bring people outside of the clubs and outside of that competitive space and bring them into the real world and let them see each other as humans and not just as, you know, the competition and in, in the yeah. club, there's something so beautiful that happens there. Yeah. Yeah. I love this studying. podcast is showing. That. Exactly. Yeah. I love, I just love strippers and sex workers so much. And I know like, I know that there's a lot of transition happening for this community right now. And I, I'm definitely seeing a lot of people question the community. And, you know, um, I just to everyone that's like listening and that might be questioning the community, just, you know, remember that the community is made up of a group of humans that are um, we're all dealing with different levels of trauma, um, depending on who you are, or what you've been through, just like every other single human on the planet, you know, and this is just such a gnarly time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I was listening to your episode with Valerie and something that she touched on is, you know, the, the club is such an interesting place because it's where like capital capitalism, like the patriarchy, um, and all the, and white supremacy also all like come into this like header in these small male dominated sexually charged spaces. And so we're seeing, so it's like everything that's happening in the world, but in this like micro world and like tenfold. And it's really, it is interesting and it makes for fascinating human beings. You know what? You're right. Like, You're right. I was raised, I always say, like, I was raised in the strip club because when I was 21, I was a kid, you know, (laughs) I was a kid. And I spent almost 20 years, like, close, more like 18 years inside the clubs. And you're right. I, there's a level of conditioning that's happened there. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, we're like, we're free and we get it. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, mm-hmm. are we gaslighting ourselves sometimes? <laughs> yes, every day, every day. <laughs> I, I'm curious on your opinion, um, just having been in the industry for 20 years now, what's your opinion on on stripping just becoming so mainstream right now? Like, you know, it really, it's so fascinating. I recently had a, a I'm on TikTok now more than I am on Instagram. So okay. when I am on the internet, I am mostly on TikTok. And there, there was a situation where there was somebody on there who I recognized very easily that they were not a stripper. They weren't a stripper, but they were telling these incredible, crazy, violent 
against violent stories against strippers. Um, and they, they gained a 1.9 million following on TikTok using these stories. And so I, you know, one of the first videos that I made was like, making a joke about how this person was pretending to be a stripper. And it turned into this whole huge thing. The video got like a million views. Rolling Stone said an article on it. It was like this whole big thing. And I was attacked so viciously. Like, why does it matter if people want to pretend to be strippers? Like, I think the stories about strippers being potentially hurt are funny. And like, what? They weren't saying those words, but it's they weren't saying, they were like, I thought her stories were interesting. Her stories are like customers throwing shit on her and her being held at gunpoint and the guy getting shot in the kneecap like ridiculously crazy stories and he and she this girl's 18 years old okay and so um oh that God, never happened worse <laughs> but all these people are being like introduced to to stripping through these things and there's and there's so many people even people who aren't um pretending to be strippers like maybe people barely 18 19 years old coming into the industry and and you and because it's cool right now like what are your thoughts on that i think it's dangerous mm-hmm. i think it's dangerous to glorify this industry that you have known nothing about. I think it's dangerous to sit there and tell violent stories about us because what it, yes, there are, there's violence that's enacted on us because that's what's expected because those are the stories that are highlighted. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. They're not highlighting the other things nearly as much. And so, um, you know, it, it reminds me of the narrative that, people society and people in charge people in power like to put on marginalized groups of people to basically have mind control over those groups of people you know um that was something that uh has happened throughout time like with the the jewish people and the germans and and you know there was rhetoric around there was brainwashing around how you should think about these types of people and we saw this here in our own country um with enslaved people and with black people um uh you know there was narratives around them highlighting these things to to and then they kept repeating those stories and so with sex workers it's very similar um you know granted it uh nothing I, I just like to make clear that I'm not I, I'm 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 not trying to compare um, the deaths of millions of people, but but let's also be clear: sex workers have been killed disproportionately to um, a lot of other people. So I'm just trying to be responsible with my words right now, um, which but, I appreciate. Yeah, thank you. So that's why I'm slowing down and really thinking. Um, but definitely, you know, that is a story and like a joke that keeps getting perpetuated. Like, you know, I don't even want to say it, but the things that they say about, um, you know, uh, the death of sex workers and it, and it's a punchline and a lot of jokes and that this person is pretending to be a stripper and like talking about stripper brutality and violence. It's just like, why are, why are you perpetuating this story? And first, are these stories even real? Are these stories of real mm. people? And then if so, are they listening to it and being traumatized, hearing their story being told by somebody that's not them? Mm-hmm. And so, and then everyone's gazing at this trauma. It's the trauma gaze. I just, I've just yeah. was talking about this yesterday. This is trauma gaze. They talk about the male gaze. I'm sorry, but I like being looked at by men and women and all kinds of different people like I enjoy being salivated at by anyone. I don't care anyone of age that's appropriate. 
you know, anyone of appropriate age, I like being stared at and looked at and like having them invoking sexual fantasies. Um, anyways, that was a total tangent, but the trauma gaze, I feel like is like this new thing. Maybe it's not a new thing. Maybe I'm just noticing it, but that's, that's what that is. It's a trauma gaze and it's to, it's cause people like get off on other people's trauma or something. One of the things that somebody said during that whole, it became a whole thing. Somebody was like, are people who watch true crime just like interested in people being hurt? And I was like, yes, yes. yes. And I understand. And and that's something that, you know, that I understand is super nuanced. So much of this is, you know, complicated stuff, but yeah, like if you are somebody who enjoys hearing about people being brutalized, that is something to sit with. And I'm not saying that you deserve pain or you deserve, you're a bad person, but these are all things that we should be sitting with, you know, and questioning why we're doing that. Yeah. I used to love true crime and I would say, I love the court part, which is absolutely true. I'm obsessed with courts and trials, but not necessarily, I found not just murder trials. It's like, I genuinely love that very tedious, boring process. I don't know where that comes from, Mm -hmm. but like I used to watch ID, like it was on in the background all day long, like investigation Mm -hmm. discovery and like 48 hours, hard evidence. Like that was my fucking jam. And I Mm -hmm. just one day was like, I can't watch this anymore. And I just, I can't even turn them on anymore at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I can relate to that. I liked horror movies a lot when I was mm-hmm. young and it was actually mushrooms are my favorite thing in the world. I love them. I um, too. I don't do them very, I don't do them very often these days. Um, yeah. but I, they, I definitely consider myself, you know, pre post mushroom Jessica and like pre mushroom Jessica <laughs> and post mushroom Jessica was like, why are you watching this stuff? And I really, I went through a phase where I wouldn't watch anything that wasn't like happy go lucky, but that's where that kind of like liberal, like, let's just all get along mentality came into play too. So I understand there's, there's a difference between educating yourself about like issues going on in the world and then like indulging yourself in them for sure. Oh, there you go. That's nice. That's a good perspective. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm learning so much. I wasn't expecting us to dissect such hard hitting things, you know, I don't know. Yeah. That's great. It's great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you so much also for like asking me questions and making. Yeah. I'm, I'm so interested in you. Um, (laughs) Something else that, something else that I want to touch on real quick too from you is, is you talked about something and I just related to it so heavily. And it's that um, when I was listening to one of your other episodes, it's that uh, rocking an entire room of people, like 200 people in the room. Oh, I have chills right now. That's my favorite thing about stripping. I don't, I don't, the money is great. Don't get me wrong, but nothing is as good as that feeling of being on stage, all eyes on you. The lights are going, you're hitting every single beat, like on the, on point, like you're just killing it. You know, that everybody in there loves you. You're making everybody happy. And you are literally with just your body and your energy, you are moving an entire room of people and it is intoxicating. And it's like, I, I have moments where I get so sad 
realizing that I won't get to do that forever. You know, like yeah. I understand how people, and you've compared it to being a rock star. And like, I think that there's people who are like shipping rock star. It's not comparable. Like, fuck you. It is comparable. <laughs> it is. And I, and I understand how people become addicted to like the stage and stuff like that, because it really is the best feeling. And I was so happy to hear somebody else speak on it so eloquently and, and yeah. you know, be able to like really express that feeling. So I really relate to that. Yeah. Gosh, I miss that so incredibly much. And I, mm-hmm. it's funny that you say, like, I don't know, you know, how, how many more times I'll get to do that again. And, and I, I don't know if it'll ever. I'm ready for your next Raising Hell event and you better perform at it. This I'm time, actually okay? not. It's actually, we have a Raising Hell event. Um, it'll probably have already happened by the time this episode comes out, but on February 17th. And I'm, I'm 100% behind the scenes. Um, and uh-huh. that, that's kind of full circle back to what, what I had mentioned earlier. It's like one of my aha moments recently because I'm such a workhorse uh, is like, oh, I need to be a workhorse underneath and for everyone else and be like, let me do all of the work so that you can save your energy and be the voice and mm-hmm. be up front and have your energy for being up front because – Um, I can attest firsthand that doing so much work behind the scenes and then having to put makeup on and get in front of a camera and talk and be your most effervescent, like responsible self with words. It's just it's very hard to do both, Mm -hmm. especially right now. Um, Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, with the next Raising Hell event, I'm actually, um, you know, it's online, which is not the Mm -hmm. same as in person. And uh, I'm 100% behind the scenes. You will not see my mm-hmm. face at all. And I'm very, mm-hmm. very excited about that. Okay. I can respect that completely. Yeah. But I just, for anybody listening, I went to the first Raising Hell event and it changed my life. I was so, I don't, I want to cry thinking about it. It was so moving. It was so beautiful and powerful and incredible. Um, and I hope that, you know, post COVID, whenever that happens, that I, I get to enjoy that again, because you guys really made something special there. Thank and you. And after- after what we've learned this year, I can only imagine it becoming more powerful and, and more incredible. So I'm so grateful that you do that. Thank you. Me mm-hmm. too. Thanks for being grateful for that. I can't mm-hmm. wait for more in-person shit, man. I'm looking forward to that day so hard. Want to be fabulous just like these strippers? Pay attention. It's Stripper Tips. So I'm going to give two stripper tips. My First one is going to be a practical one, and this was actually imparted on me by my former business mentor, uh, Gia Parati, stripper noir. Uh, I have to give her credit where credit is due. Uh, it is to every, I would say, two to three hours. When you go to work, bring with you in your bag um, three washcloths and some soap. And every two to three hours, go upstairs and uh, give yourself a full stripper bath, not with just with baby wipes, like wet one of the washcloths with soap and wash yourself off completely. Um, take the other washcloth, just water, rinse yourself, you know, and then take the third one and dry yourself. Um, reapply your spray, fix your makeup, um, change your outfit if you need to. Um, and during that time, what she had me doing was listening to like um, business books or maybe your favorite, yes, a stripper episode. Um, <laughs> (laughs) Uh, but go and listen to something that makes you feel powerful, not just music. 
music, you know, and reset. And I don't, I can't tell you, but it just completely uh, increased my, my income significantly. Um, it's something energetic. It's not just, you know, freshening up and making yourself look better. It's like wiping off the, the nose. It's what it's, it's a whole restart to the night. And when I started doing that, it just, it made my nights go by quicker. It gave, it's like a set break for yourself rather than like going upstairs and after a no and just not doing shit, like going upstairs with intention, you know, and then after this going down and hitting the floor hard. Um, but that was some of the best advice I ever got. And it really, um, I got complimented on my smell a lot more too. Cause I'm, I'm kind of a dirty hippie in my own right. You know, yeah. so it, I definitely had people telling me more like, Oh my gosh, you smell so good. And, and I just was able to approach them so fresh minded. Um, and then my more philosophical advice is, uh, to not let an old man determine your worth. And I'm talking about the owners and the managers of these clubs. You determine your worth. Um, nobody, the club prices don't mean anything. Like if you think you deserve more than that, charge more than that. Um, and if one guy doesn't want it, another one will, these men are easy come easy go. And I do understand that this is also privileged perspective. So I would like to acknowledge that. Um, but at the end of the day, don't let other people tell you what you're worth. Like you get to decide what you're worth. That's my advice. I love it. Thank you. I I love both of those, but the the washcloth one, I'm like, oh, that's mm -hmm. very new. I've not heard that one. Practical, very practical. Yes, I love <laughs> it. Get ready for our rapid fire question round. It's time for four for one. What's something weird that you do that you didn't know was weird until you were an adult? Everything I do is weird. Um, hmm. I like to take grapes and when I eat them, before I eat them, I pill the entire skin off of them with my teeth, like in my mouth, I pill the entire grape before I eat it. I try. And when I get it like done perfectly without like chipping into the grape at all, I get really excited. Um, I also chew my gum by, I put it in my mouth and I chew it like into it, like all the lines, my teeth marks are all the way around. And then I roll it all in my mouth and then I chew it. But <laughs> wow. I'm recognizing through, through therapy that these are like, um, they're like a self-soothing type thing. So, which is interesting to learn about. Wow. How so, long does yeah. it take you to eat grapes? What's what, because it's like a game. I, I can, I can eat them forever. It's like, it's, I don't know if like it's a set amount of time. I just like, because I almost like every single one is like a new game for me. And so I'm just like excited to That's eat them hilarious. again. Yeah. I love it. It's grape time. How yes. do you feel about putting pineapple on pizza? I feel great about it. And I don't understand why this is so controversial. If you don't like it, that's okay. Um, but I, I'm a pretty heavy vegetarian now. Um, but when I was young, my favorite pizza was Hawaiian pizza, you know, with the, with, um, ham, jalapeno, uh, and pineapple. I, I like pineapple in general. I think that if you haven't tried it yet, tahine, that's like a chili mm -hmm. powder okay. with my mouth watering, thinking about mm -hmm. it. Tahine with pineapple will change your life friends on or off pizza. Nice. Nice. I love it. What are some fun and interesting alternatives to war that countries could settle their differences with? Um, hula hooping competitions, like who can hula hoop longer. Like we just, I think we should put the leaders of each world or each country, like in front and they each get a hula hoop and whoever like can like keep it up the longest, they win. 
Perfect. Dance battles. Yeah. Dance battles. I love it. Last one. If you were transported 400 years into the past with no clothes or anything else, how would you prove that you were from the future? Uh, no, I'm butt naked and I'm from the future. I don't think I'd be able to. I just like maybe like I really just don't, but I'm okay with that. I would be, I would be the crazy person who's like, I'm from the future. And everyone would be like, don't talk to her. She's weird. She thinks she's from the future. I'd be like trying to tell them about like TikTok and stuff. And they'd be like, right, right. she just says all these, she says all these weird words. And, you know, so. <laughs> I'm all, they're like, we don't know about her. She doesn't speak our language. She just showed up butt naked one day talking crazy. That's hilarious. So, so you would just like blend in basically be like, well, I'm here. I would I become it. the crowd, the, I'd become the town, the town crazy. And I would love every second of it. It's funny that you just bring this up though, because I actually did a Halloween costume once where my Halloween costume was that I had come from the future and I really was from the future in my costumes mind. And I had come back to warn people about the satanic agenda of the Illuminati mm -hmm. and no, but the whole point was that like, I, I did it, like I wrote it on a cardboard sign. And the whole point is like, even if somebody did come from the future to like, tell us the truth now, we would deem them crazy no matter what. Exactly. So exactly which is why i don't understand why we listen to religious shit from a long time ago and still believe it is truth now i'm very confused because if someone said the shit that happened back then right now we'd be like oh do you need help yeah i do feel that way about a lot of these people <laughs> i'm still like do you need help do blink twice if you need us to save you you know exactly. yes well, this has just been an absolute pleasure chatting with you. We've never really had an opportunity quite like this. So thank you so much mm -hmm. for joining me today. Mm -hmm. um, can you, where would you like people to follow you and learn more about you and, and what's coming up for you? If you'd like to share that. I am very non-existent right now. However, I will be heading back to Tucson eventually. Um, and you can follow me. I'm on TikTok under Stripa Yoga right now. Um, and it's, I like TikTok because I just get to post like silly videos. It's not so serious. Um, and then I, I will eventually start posting on Instagram again, and you'll probably get a little more serious content from me there. So I'm Stripa Yoga there too. Um, you can also email me if you really want to chat. It's uh, Jessica Kind at strippayoga.com and I'd be happy to chat as long as you're not a weird dude <laughs> okay got it <laughs> you heard it out there be sure to follow Jessica at all the right places and be sure to follow us too tune in every Wednesday thank you so much for joining us see you next time I'm Bye. so honored thank you thank you hey guys I just want to remind you to rate review and subscribe to this podcast you can find us on Instagram at Yes, a stripper podcast. You can also watch this podcast on YouTube at Yes, a stripper podcast. And of course, make sure you follow us on Twitter at Yes, a stripper pod. Yes, a stripper podcast is produced by Mackenzie Mazel, Shelly Snyder, and yours truly, A.M. Davies. Be sure to email any questions or comments to Yes, a stripper podcast at gmail.com. If you'd like to follow me personally, you can find me on Instagram at the queen of sexy. You can also check me out on my website, thequeenofsexy.com. <laughs>